we, uh, or at least many of the women I've met, including myself, have many times limited ourselves based on what other people might think, what other people might perceive. So there is a, there's a lot of obstacles that women put mentally on that you potentially don't find uh, so much in, in my male colleagues or my male um, students. Welcome back to another episode of the Elevator Podcast, which highlights positive female role models to empower and inspire you to achieve your full potential. In today's episode, we are joined by Leila Guerra, Vice Dean of Education at the Imperial College Business School since March 2018. Leila is a trained lawyer and specialized in international relations before she moved into higher education. She is passionate about the power of achieving positive impact through business education and global awareness and already lived in eight countries. Leila believes that providing role models and clear opportunities for female students to find their voice and use it is essential. Today, we discuss Leila's journey to higher education, the changes she noticed in leadership in academia compared to other fields and how to overcome obstacles as a woman. So without further ado, let's dive right into it. Okay, fantastic. Awesome. So Leila, thank you so much for coming on today. It's a real honor to have you here with us. Before we dive into your work, would you mind just giving us a brief description of your role and how you've come to where you are now? Hi, Salina. Hi, Mike. It is a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you so much for inviting me. So as you mentioned, I'm Leila. I'm the Vice Dean of Education at Imperial College Business School. I have been with Imperial for three and a half years and in higher education for over, over 25 years now. And it's been a great journey so far and a very rewarding journey too. And been very lucky to be engaging with many, many kind of people in uh, the eight countries I've lifted. So yeah, happy to share my experiences with you. Amazing. Thank you very much. So you said you lived in eight countries, which is obviously incredible. So how, firstly, how come and language wise, I'm also very intrigued because I, I mean, I'm German, I speak English, and that's about it. So how do you do this? So a bit of background about myself, and I actually think it, it has also shaped who I am. I was born in Spain and uh, my family is Everybody's from Spain, <laughs> but when I was six years old, my uh, my father decided that we moved to Germany, and so I grew up in Bad Homburg vor der Höhe, uh, in the near von Frankfurt. That's a beautiful little town to grow up in, and um, studied all my education in German. And uh, at some uh, moment across the road, uh, we moved to Venezuela. Uh, I was still in a German school, but living in Caracas, and so that was a very different <laughs> environment. Then uh, my parents moved to Colombia, they were in Brazil, and uh, so it was a, an expat kind of journey, a very international journey. So yeah, then it's, at one point I, I went back to Spain to study, but even my professional career was then very clearly oriented towards international environments and diversity. So it's been always very important for me to be surrounded by people that were very diverse, that had a very open mentality, that had different ways of thinking. And that's what you kind of find in higher education. Uh, that's what you find, for example, in college. Yeah, that's awesome. Also, that really resonates with me as well. So I was born in France, raised in France, but my mom is half Japanese. 
and I've been studying at like an international school for my entire education. So I was surrounded by really different kinds of nationalities. It just comes with you, it just shapes who you are. And I think that one that was one of the reasons why I also chose Imperial because it's so diverse. If you could tell us what is leadership in academia, like how is that different from another leadership, for instance, in the private sector or in a company? So um, I think that's a great question. And I, I before I joined higher education, I, I actually was in a private company that had 30,000 employees and I was in charge of a department. And I think the leadership there, to, to be honest, I was also younger, so it might, might have shaped my, my vision then. But it was very focused towards objectives, uh, targets, numbers. And while you very much cared about uh, the people in your teams, you were also very conscious that you had a, a remit and uh, performance objectives that were linked to the company. And what happens in, in higher education is that uh, your leadership is not only for your teams, it's also for all your community. Um, and you're literally shaping or I like to think that we're shaping the future of everybody that comes into our community. Um, and so that comes with a big responsibility because you're you're helping sh them finding their ways, helping them finding their best versions, going through them through highs and lows, um, and also in many, many ways, staying with them for all of their life. I have many of the students that started that I was in charge of 20 years ago, and I've been to their weddings, I've been to their baptisms with their kids, and you you are literally part of their life. And so the leadership there for me is more, potentially more kind and more empathetic as well, because you have this responsibility. And uh, when I speak to my particular most importantly, female colleagues who are still in the in the private sector, they can see also that the reward you obtain personally from your leadership is so much higher because you're you're just shaping people's lives. You're just talk, you're talking you're working with with people, um, and so that that's very rewarding. Really nice to hear how the environment changed. I I just worked briefly in a company so for three years uh, before I went back to studying, and um, I mean I can relate on. Just a tiny bit, of course, because I wasn't in a leadership position, but the kind of connection I had to my manager versus to my supervisor now, it, it, it differs. Um, but Mike, I, one comment, if I may, you mentioned that uh, that you were not in a leadership position. I actually think we all are in leadership positions. Your impact or your remit might be smaller or larger when it comes to the number of people you can reach, but we're all responsible and we ha we all have the option of being a leader in, in, our, uh, in our role, in our community, uh, with our friends, etc. So I actually would like to challenge you back and I think you are in a leadership position. <laughs> The fact Thank that you. you are that you and Salina are actually leading this initiative is already a leadership a leadership initiative because you're bringing your voice and the voice of many others to a much broader audience. Thank, Thank you for you. saying that so nicely. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great to also yeah like redefine what leadership is because sometimes you just mm -hmm. get trapped into this sort of a manager position. Just everyone is a leader, as you said, because you're actually leading your own life. Yeah, but actually, that brings me to my to my next question. As you said, especially with female colleagues, you would like to promote leadership to be more open and out there. So um, can you tell us a bit about how uh, you promote leadership in women or any advice, any reach out? I tell you what I say. This is just my, my own personal opinion from, from being surrounded by many very talented women. 
Most of the times what I find is that women are our own main obstacle. We, uh, or at least many of the women I've met, including myself, have many times limited ourselves based on what other people might think, what other people might perceive, our own uh, very high standards, uh, our own feeling that we might not be ready. Or So there is a, there's a lot of obstacles that women put mentally on that you potentially don't find uh, so much in, in my male colleagues or my male um, students. And so that has meant for me two things. First of all, very early on, when I discovered that that was the case even for my own for my own journey, I decided that I was not going to say no to myself. If the world wanted to say no to me for any job promotion or for any activity or initiative I wanted to lead on, then that would be the case. But I wasn't going to start my, myself with a no. So that was very, very th- first first kind of self-reflection. As a conclusion, it leads also to a change between who you are and uh, what your uh, what your passion is, what your commitments are, and where you really think that you can make an impact. Which suddenly released a lot of kind of self-sustained uh, frameworks and objectives that were actually not real. So how do I use that? That self-learning um, I use now with my female colleagues and students that are uh, open and want to have this conversation around. Where are you self-limiting yourself? And I can, from the outside, tell you, don't you know you're doing this? You're you're actually putting a barrier that doesn't exist. It only exists with you. And how can we remove that? So it's it's trying to identify and increase your self-awareness and see how we can develop that full potential. So it's kind of leadership by example, if it helps, but also leadership by self-awareness. And I like to think that it's also. Uh, demystifying what leadership is. It's not that big necessarily. It doesn't have to be that really big, ambitious, visionary goal that seems unachievable. It can be in very small actions and it can be something that you can do in your day to day. So those are just just a few examples. And it's also helping each other, helping ourselves, uh, removing words from our vocabulary. Things like, um, well, I'm very ambitious. And, you know, in the past, this, a woman wouldn't necessarily say this. And uh, it's, it's saying that that's absolutely fine. And it's absolutely fine to be yourself. There is, I, I was seeing um, a student the other day and she was working in an environment where she said, well, I, I feel I have to have makeup on. And we came to the conclusion that you don't, not not at all. If you don't feel comfortable with that, you absolutely should not under, consider that this is expected from you. Anyway, just a few examples. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that was really insightful. As you said, like people really need to find who they are and accept who they are the way they are and also just find their passion. So how do you really like help them do that? Like, I mean, in terms of education, what kind of, do you do any kind of workshops or do you include that within the curriculum? Do you also include males in that conversation? How do you, you know, frame that? So I think that has to go on three levels. In uh, in the business school, it certainly goes through curriculum development. We have uh, coaching, we have mentoring systems, uh, we bring speakers in that help as role models. 
there's nothing more powerful than seeing role models that help you define your journey by making it real and feasible. Um, and so that's something that we want to do more of. Uh, women's initiative at the business school is something that has been a priority for many, many years. We're actually one of the business schools that have gender parity. So we have 55% women in the business school student community, which is it's not very frequent. So that's on the curriculum side. On the other actions we do um, is giving women a voice and making sure as well that we have men uh, allies that help with that. It cannot just be a woman's fight. It is. Uh, I, I, I love that description of feminism is, is not something that only women should pursue. It's the right, the equal right for everybody. Um, and so we have very strong men allies. Actually, our women's scholarship campaign with Forte Foundation is led by uh, a male ally um, who is a very strong supporter. So it has to be a combination of, uh, of those elements. At the end of the day, it's a community effort. And then individually, it's uh, it's supporting each other where we can and depending on the needs of everyone, because everybody's in a different step of their journey. So you have to adapt and personalize those conversations um, to make sure you have the biggest impact. Very interesting. For Yeah, for us, that's also so interesting. And we come from a scientific point of view, so we don't learn these things, you know. Then we get into positions and then we have to figure out what to do next. So, so my first question would be, is there any way where like we or the audience can also have access to these kind of resources? For the broader audience, we certainly have invited in the past speakers who have been sharing uh, their journey with them and uh, that would be absolutely available. So to name a very recent one, one of our advisory board members is Cindy Rose. Uh, she's a vice president of Microsoft and she uh, spoke about her own journey and how uh, about their commitment to diversity and inclusion uh, very recently, and that recording is actually available. Um, so we have as a as a business goal, we've been trying to increase access to leadership content. Um, I explore, for example, has been quite uh, successful, and I, I do believe that uh, if we link it to not, not obviously not just from the gender perspective, but if we link it to a responsible leadership linked to societal engagement, to the big problems of the world, such as climate change, um, we're actually quite well positioned to help students who will shape the future of this and who will bring the change uh, develop their academic and, and, and professional networks and on this um, and absolutely invite the audience to our events. Amazing. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And I'm highly motivated for that. So that would be <laughs> incredibly great. <laughs> Absolutely. Count yeah. on it. Thank you so much. So Leila, you mentioned that, I mean, firstly, congratulations. That is, of course, amazing. 55% of female students in percentage. That is incredible. So when we then move forward from the student part to the working progress, I mean, obviously, this is still a quite male-dominated field. So do you have any advice on that? Yes. Um, so two things there. So the college and the business school are part of Athena Swan. And uh, and so there is a, a big uh, initiative at the moment going on around female empowerment and access to the workplace. And our, our employment reports do indicate that uh, access to certain industries or particularly regionally uh, linked uh, are sometimes uh, not where we would want it to be. Um, so what we're doing about this goes in three streams. Um, we've been establishing mentoring programs uh, with some of our alumni and uh, making sure that there is a paid forward chain reaction where uh, you help someone else and then in the future they will help someone else. It normally is 
mostly based also on as much as we can personal preferences. So to give you one example, I had a female student who was working for the first time in a senior professional role in a smaller company. She was a she is hugely committed to diversity and inclusion, but she wasn't sure how to implement it in the company. And she called us and said, look, I am really committed. I've learned all the theory. I know all the right things. But when it comes to my day to day, I don't know where to start. And so what we did, because in those moments, it is not that helpful, in my opinion, to come up with your theories and with your research or with your big frameworks. Actually, those are the moments where you're looking for very practical tips, Um, the kind of questions you are almost afraid to ask because they are really practical. And so what we did is what I did there is I said, look, don't worry, this is the industry Let me go three years behind. And we looked at who graduated three years ago, four years ago, and who was in a similar position, equally committed and had progressed further. And so we we did that connection and that allowed her to to speak to someone who had been in that journey very recently, as I said, three, four years ago, um, asked those questions in, in an informal way, but also in a very empathetic way and find the answers that she was looking for. I always find that there are is there are moments in our professional journey in our research journey where we need the big questions and we need those big role models but there are also many moments where we're just looking for a practical tip <laughs> and uh, and finding the right contact person is where we can build uh, w- build that bridge i always say that i consider myself a, a person that is good at, bu- at building bridges that's awesome and i like how you brought that up because i think Lots of things that we learn in education are really theoretical and really, yeah, like really academic, right? But like once you get into the actual like business world or the actual, you know, the actual world of life yeah, like and work, you just don't, there are things that you can't tackle. I love that you mentioned that and that you're sort of bringing that into the curriculum. What has been the biggest challenge you've faced yourself within your career as, as being a woman? So, wow, <laughs> let me go back to start. So get, let me first go back to your comment about uh, introduction in the curriculum. And it, it will come back to the biggest challenge to my career. One important step in, I believe, in anyone's life is to find your own voice. And and particularly if you're a woman uh, and uh, struggle sometimes with, you know, the imposter syndrome is, uh, is also finding your own voice and having the strength of using it and being bold about it, as I always say. And one thing we did at the business school and I, I led on, was the fact that uh, we wanted to make sure that every business school student graduated with uh, an EDI uh, training. And so last year, we actually got an award for it as the best business school in the world, (laughs) um, because what we did is um, we introduced a mandatory training module that included unconscious awareness, cross-cultural working around uh, across organizations. It included racial awareness. It included stereotypes. It included active active bystanders. So it was a way of saying, this is who we are. These are our values. And uh, we hope you agree with them because this is something that all of our 
female and male students have to graduate with. And led by Maria Farkas, it has been an outstanding initiative. So going back to the challenges I faced, I've been discriminated. I think we all have been discriminated in all kinds of ways. So I had, you know, gender discrimination. I've had body discrimination. I've had racial discrimination. I mean, you call, you call it in any point of my life we have experience sometimes it's microaggressions sometimes are there are larger unfortunately more negative episodes in everyone's life and i think more than the uh, the big challenges that uh, you can identify actually the concern or the way we can help each other is by addressing those micro challenges that that tend to add up and sometimes hinder you I think if I if I had to mention a particular challenge, it was moving away from the corporate career into higher education was a, a loop of faith. Um, and uh, and that was a challenge with myself around, am I committing here a really big mistake? Um, and then what happened is I found the passion of my life and I found my journey. So I'm not sure if that's a good example, but I, I think the message there is, it's more the micro challenges, the microaggressions, than really big moment in my life where where I found, oh my God, this is a huge challenge. Now, having said that, I am an optimist by nature. <laughs> so I've been actually very lucky that I see most challenges as an opportunity. And every time I've fallen, my own optimism, my own spirit, but also my significantly strong networks have lifted me up. I've been quite lucky in that sense. It is amazing to hear. And yeah, I mean, I agree with it's more the small, the small microaggressions, the small cuts, which, which actually affect your your soul or your emotion. And then if it builds up long term, that's actually what brings you down. Yeah, because I am definitely an optimist as well. But uh, these are the things where then I start to struggle with. So one part, Selina and I, we discussed earlier a bit about it, which we would love to hear and to know is if you have any advice for us, for listeners, about how to negotiate your salary, because we both think that is really tricky. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I heard a, a friend of mine saying, whatever you think you should be asking for, add 30%, because that's what your male colleague would ask for. I'm not sure if it's true, but... <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, that's that's one thing to say. So there's a practical comment. Actually, we have salary negotiation workshops in the business school, which is the first thing we introduce uh, for our students. And then later, much later, we also introduce for our academic colleagues, for some of our academic colleagues. Um, now, because it was about how, how to learn to negotiate is a really important skill to have. Um, and so we have a, an external person who comes in all the way from Italy and does these excellent workshops that you do once and then then they stay with you on a more personal level i you know i think we've all committed that mistake uh women tend to i, I don't like to generalize but um we, we tend to try and be as near as close as possible as to what we think is acceptable and we sometimes are not aware of the negotiation range that exists and uh, and so it's 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 trying to see pushing slightly the boundaries, um, doing your research. 
ask people uh, in the American culture, it's actually quite frequent to share salary information. I, I know in Europe, it's certainly not. But do your research, speak to your networks, ask around, uh, reach out, you know, via LinkedIn or via the college community for sure to people who are in a similar position. And, and don't be shy to ask when you're when you're negotiating. So that's one practical tip. A third one is in the past, sometimes felt I was asking for a favor oh, I'm going to ask for this. And you're like kind of saying, would you mind? Could you consider? And you're actually not asking for a favor. You are offering your great talents, your great skills. You're offering your strengths. The company or the line manager or the research department that you're applying for want you for that reason. That's why they're offering you that job. And so bearing that in mind, you should not take it as they're being generous to you. They are actually doing the right steps to bring you in. And so that that kind of awareness helps me with uh, trying to reconcile myself with, oh, am I asking for too much? And also nobody's going to say no. They will just come back to you and say, well, look, we cannot do this. We can do that. So those are some practical uh, skills. I don't I don't have the perfect answer, unfortunately, but I, I found them again, going to your networks and trying to see if what you're asking is reasonable works really well. OK, no, that's fantastic. I think that's a great tip. So fingers crossed, you know, in the future, we won't have any more pay gap between men and women. Um, I don't know if that's something you've been working on as well. Absolutely. So, Salina, you're very right. Uh, there is pay gap, there's the pay inequality. And uh, so I think business school and the college have been doing some significant efforts there. When it comes to our students, and, and that was an interesting discussion we had the Financial Times, because the Financial Times is a way, well, the business school rankings, and 50% of that ranking is career progression. But obviously, for them, it's also important that you bring in many female students. Uh, and you were indicating to the Financial Times, well, giving the gender pay gap um, by attracting more women, you're also impacting your salary details and you're sending the wrong signals here. You should be committing and promoting actions that uh, that bring this inequality to an end. So there, there are certainly very difficult conversations that, that are still in need and that should still happen. On the question side, I find that if you ask things politely and if you ask things with background and if you give people the option of not responding, you normally do do find good answer. And so that's, again, if, if, you, if you have a broad network and I think being part of Imperial College, we have a fantastic network that's a that's a great privilege and uh, and how to use that in a positive way is also a way of contributing back in the future definitely i think also it's so important to to use the opportunity we have with studying with imperial college to get to know as many people as many fields as many niches as possible and um, because this will set up as perfectly i think for the future i mean at least that's an aim uh, to aim for so we also had a look through an article with you, and in that you <laughs> you were uh, having a conversation, and you said sometimes um, you have a conversation with yourself and your self-awareness, just to having a look, are you progressing, or as an advice as well for other people, are you putting yourself out there? So is this something you regularly do yourself, or you just you also suggest other people to just have some good of like self-reflection? I do it all the time. <laughs> I try to regularly check in on myself on both inward looking. Am I, you know, am I 
uh, still happy? Am I still passionate about my job? Because for me, it's not it's not a work; it's a dedication. And I I just really spent most of my time <laughs> dedicated to it because I I really love it. I wished everybody could have that fantastic opportunity to be in a job that they love, um, because it 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 changes your whole perspective. But so I regularly check in on me on am I still in the right place, contributing to the right level with the right energy levels, etc. I also try to challenge myself on, and I, we talked about being in a third culture kid. What is the impact I'm having on others? Have I done things that potentially could be misunderstood or am I achieving the positive influence that I would like to have? How would others see me? But I try to do that in a constructive way. And then what's the direction I want to take? I remember when I joined my first role in London that I told my husband at the time, in five years, we'll be in Singapore. And uh, he lo- he laughed at me at the time. And then five years later, we were in Singapore. <laughs> so it's having this long-term planning that I enjoy doing because I love long-term planning, knowing that they can all change. <laughs> so they're all subject to change, but there is a direction of travel. So yeah, so I think self-awareness and um, having honest discussions with yourself of where you are, where you want to be, are really important and looking looking yourself in the mirror is is actually really hard <laughs> that's so true that's so true i remember i was listening to a podcast where actually the, that lady was mentioning just this exercise where she would look in the mirror every morning and just tell herself like you're great or you know you can do this or just setting something positive about herself every day and she was mentioning how hard that was to start with and she didn't expect it to be that awkward and that hard because we just tend, like, we just tend to criticize ourselves whenever we see ourselves in the mirror, or we just then, yeah, to just you know check on our bodies and be like, oh, I could be this way or that way, and actually just reflecting on where we are, where we want to be, and you know accepting who we are, who we are now and also accepting who we're gonna be later. I think that's a definitely like a great thing to do. <laughs> um, my current agenda has a map of uh, of the whole year. And it asks you to color code it depending on the day you have. Oh, that's so great. Every day, every day you color it in, you know, green if you had a great day, yellow if you were over the moon, red if you had like so-so day. And it's a way of visualizing how your months are going and then at the end of the year how your year was going. And the reflection is that if if after two or three months you're seeing that your color code map is not going in the direction you want to take it, Maybe it's time for you to consider other routes and not being afraid of change because change will come anyway. It's beautiful. <laughs> Color coding your 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 day. So if you're maybe less used to have the mirror talk or a, a discussion with yourself, just color it every day, and it it will over the year tell you how you are how your journey is going. Very yeah. interesting. Very interesting to then self reflect at the end of the year. Definitely. Yeah. We talked about with other guests about visual like vision boards and what I like to do as well is I also have a list of like non-negotiable for me and sometimes I have that in like a little book that not it's not a book like a journal that I have just write in every day anyways but I have that on the last page and every time I feel a bit lost or a bit yeah just a bit confused about what I'm doing where where I'm at I'll just look at the list and that just sort of refocuses me on where I should be and what direction I should take. So that's, I think that's a great suggestion. That's fantastic. Yeah. Non-negotiable. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> cool. Awesome. So that was such like amazing tips so far. I think we just in the interest of time, we're just 
going to ask you our final question, which we ask all our guests. And that's what's your favorite word or quote and why? It's actually not my favorite, but I will I will tell you because that's the, the latest one um, that caught my complete attention and inspired me um, this week. So um, I was at the uh, Women at the Top uh, Financial Times conference this week, and uh, um, there was a speaker who was, we were talking about racial awareness and how important it was from the Black Lives uh, Matters movement that we all learn from it. Um, and what he said was, tell the world what you stand for, mindful of your power. Each one of you is a giant to someone. Start there. Dignity is not a finite resource. So I like the approach of tell the world what you stand for. Be be kind. Start and help each other. And just that that we all are just investing in our dignity as much as we can. So that's the quote. My favorite word potentially would be well. I think the the word that is most used when I speak with people is passion, and and so I think that that's when I would go with passion in everything you do, passion in these commitments, passion in um, in standing for people, standing up for what's right, standing up for our values. There's so much going on at the moment uh, in our environments that require actions big actions, small actions. And so I, I, I think with passion, we can um, make things easier. That's perfect. Great. Thank you so much, Leila. That was that was amazing. And I can speak yeah, just for ourselves, like I've learned so much and it would be incredible to be in touch and to learn, you know, what, what you're teaching your students. That would be amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Leila as much as we did and learned a bit more about how everyone is a leader in many ways, the importance of networks and finding the right contact person, as well as how to negotiate your salary and adding passion into everything you do. You will find links to her website and topics we covered today in the show notes. And as always, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and subscribe to this podcast as well as share it around you so that we can reach and empower more people to elevate their lives. If you wish to support our work, please check out our link tree where you can find a link to donate. See you next week for another exciting episode.